Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And we're Identical Twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. <laughs> all right, so I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're Identical Twins. twins. We think you all know that, but you hopefully also know that we are the podcast hosts of Him Talk, Talk, Twin Talk. Talk. We have over 62 episodes. And you can listen to them, if you haven't listened to them yet, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And many of them are available to be watched on YouTube. And guess what? Today's sermon will be episode 63. We are, right, we are so happy. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we are so happy to be back up here, worshiping with you, sharing a beautiful hymn, and talking about a wonderful piece of scripture. Now, I have been at the church, first attending as a congregant, then working as the pianist, and then finally becoming the director of worship and music for over 20 years. And I've been at the church playing piano for a total of 18 years, although I did have a couple of years off in the middle there. So with all of those years here, we'd like to think that, you know, you know us pretty well, although we won't ask you ever to tell us who is who. That's, we won't do that. <laughs> but we think you know us pretty well, and we'd like to think we know you pretty well. Oh, yeah, after all this time. So we have a little quiz for you. Yes. How well do you know the, the twins? twins? Okay. So one of us lived in England for a year. Was it Kelly or was it Carrie? Carrie. They were right. It was Carrie. She lived in England for a year. Now, one of us loves to play the game Candy Crush. Was it Kelly? <laughs> yes. I'm on like 7,428. I'm just saying. It's so, it's so good. Okay. Now, one of us got the word, got out in the eighth grade spelling bee, got out on the word squall. Was it Kelly? Or was it Carrie? It was both, both of, of us. us. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of a trick question. Kind of a trick question and kind of a long story. And well, story for another day. We're still kind of sad about it. <laughs> but it's fun to learn more about the people we love. In fact, many people spend lots of time and energy learning about famous people. Athletes. Movie stars. Hymn writers. Well, we probably only do the maybe, hymn writers maybe thing. Maybe right, yeah. But I mean, you all know Chris Hemsworth, right? Now, do you know what character he plays? Who's Chris Hemsworth? Thor. Thor. Do you know that he has five Thor hammers in his house, and one of them he keeps in his bathroom? We learned that. And of course, there are facts about sports stars. I feel like people can rattle off statistics. Mm -hmm. Can you name the ball player who was known by the nicknames the Thumper, the Splendid Splinter, or the Kid? I heard it. Ted, Ted Williams. Williams. Yeah. It's fun to know a lot about something. I remember when my son Miles was little, he used to say, I want to know everything about everything. And then he memorized all the U.S. presidents in order. It's true. It's true. It's true. Ask him. He'll tell you them. <laughs> now, knowing these kinds of facts can sure make small talk easy. And I bet you would be awesome at Trivia Pursuit. Or Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Or that other quiz show on TV. Uh, what is Jeopardy? Yes. Nice. Yes. Jeopardy. So what kind of knowledge 
do we strive for? The world might think it's cool to know some baseball statistics or like really important or obscure historical dates, but God desires us to, to know, know him. him. God wants us to be people who long for a relationship with Jesus. So we look at Paul's letter to the Philippians. Now, Paul warns us of the people in the world. He calls them evildoers. He calls them dogs. And he tells us three times to look out for them. Paul tells us that they have confidence in themselves. And then Paul tells us that he was just like them. He says he was worse than them. Do you know Paul's story? Before he knew Christ, he had knowledge, he had power, he had influence, he had full confidence in himself. And after he came to know Jesus, he says that he, he counts, counts all of that as loss compared, compared to, to knowing, knowing Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, we read earlier in Philippians that for Paul to, to live, live was, was Christ. Christ. Paul wants to serve Christ. He wants to love Christ. He wants to know Christ. So let's read our passage for today. From the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I, I count, count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of, of knowing Christ, Christ Jesus, Jesus, my Lord. Lord. For his sake, I have suffered all the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but, but that which, which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. We thought we'd start with just a little backstory on Paul. Before he knew Christ, he was a man full of confidence. He says, if you think you have confidence in yourself, I have, I have way more. more. And then he lists all the things he had that made him such a good Jewish man. He came from a devout Jewish family. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. He was circumcised on the eighth day, exactly according to Jewish law. He was a Pharisee. He had such a strong idea of what was right and what was wrong. He found people who weren't following the law, had them arrested, and had them punished. And all the while, he himself was blameless under the law. Now, if anyone should have the criteria or the reputation or the background to be able to say that they would be allowed in heaven, it would, it would be, be Paul. Paul. And maybe that's all we would know about Paul. 
a zealous persecutor of Christians. But let's remind ourselves what happened next. This is from Acts 9. Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. The Lord chose Paul to proclaim his name to both Gentiles and the children of Israel. What a change. Paul was a completely different man after meeting Jesus on that road. And now Philippians 3.8 makes so much sense. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of, of knowing, knowing Christ, Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. This is a man who wanted to know Jesus, but it wasn't just meeting him on the road that one day. More, more about Jesus. It was wanting a relationship with Jesus. More, more about Jesus. Wanting to know the power of his love. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. When we really started thinking about Paul knowing Jesus, this hymn kept popping into our heads. More about Jesus. More of his love who died for me. You just heard us sing the refrain. We know it, but we really don't think it's ever been sung in our time here. So we thought it would be a good week to introduce it to you. More About Jesus was written by a poet and a hymn writer named Eliza Hewitt. Now, we had never heard of this hymn writer before this week, but we learned that she wrote almost 2,000 hymns. She was not a one-hit wonder. No. Eliza had to have been inspired by Paul's words when she wrote this hymn. And on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk, we call that Hymnspiration. So, so let's, let's hear more about Eliza Edmonds Hewitt. She was born on June 28, 1851 in Philadelphia. She was born into a fairly wealthy Christian family. Her father was a sea captain, and their family's assets were just around $4,000. That does not sound like a lot of money today, but in actuality, if this were today, it would be almost $2 million. By the time the Civil War had ended, their assets had dwindled down to $500, which would be about $100,000 today. That's just about a tenth of what they had 
before the war. It was Eliza's dream to be a school teacher, to, to shape, shape young, young minds, minds, to encourage them. It would seem that her dreams were shattered. One day at school, one of her students struck her in the back with his slate. It may have been on accident. It might have been on purpose. We do not know. But she suffered such spinal injuries that she was placed in a full body cast and bedridden for six months. During those six months, she passed the time reading her Bible, and she developed such a love for God and his word. This was one activity, one pursuit, one desire that Eliza never tired of. Jesus. Jesus. To know Jesus is it's to, to know, know God, God, the maker of heaven and earth. After a time of healing, Eliza's cast was finally removed, and she went outside for the first time in many, many months. In thankfulness of the, at the joy of being able to get outside, she wrote one of her first hymns. There is sunshine in my soul today, more glorious and bright than glows in any earthly sky. For Jesus is my light. Oh, there's sunshine, blessed sunshine, when the peaceful, happy moments roll. When Jesus shows his smiling face, there is sunshine in my soul. So we have never sung this in our church, but it's in our hymnal mm -hmm. by Eliza Hewitt, and we both remember singing it at one of our hymn sings. So like someone requested, someone requested it. it. Now, eventually, her health improved. She was able to move out of her parents' house. She became very active in the local church. She taught children's Sunday school classes. She even wrote songs for her students with fun hand movements. Now, at one point, she was teaching Sunday school at the Calvin Presbyterian Church, and she had 200 students in, in her, her class. class. Right? Eliza lived her entire life with a disability that made doing everyday activities difficult, yet she still poured herself into her work and into her faith. She had a passion for education. She for had a passion for teaching and, and learning. learning. When she was 37 years old, she wrote today's hymn, More, More About Jesus. Jesus. She knew that knowing Jesus was not just a singular occurrence. I met him on the road in Damascus. It wasn't just one achievement, but it was something you did every day to learn more and more about Jesus. Now, this simple song repeats the word more 26 times. Now, for some, all that repetition, it might make Eliza's song sound trite. Childish. But the repetition certainly makes a point. And so when we look at the words of the hymn, we see what knowing Jesus should look like. <clears throat> more about Jesus, let me learn. More of his holy will discern. Spirit of God, my teacher be. Showing the things of Christ to me. These words she sang to the Spirit of God, teacher, it's her teacher. These show that she had a teachable spirit. She wanted to learn about Christ. She wanted to discern 
his holy will for her life. And even though she was the teacher, she relied on the Holy Spirit to teach her. The Holy Spirit opened her eyes to show her the things of Christ. And if we wonder what those things of Christ might be, she names them in the refrain. More, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. Eliza wanted to know Jesus. Knowing Jesus and learning about Jesus was so important to her. Just as it is important to us. Praying. Going to church. Going to Sunday school. Small groups. That is how we learn. Now Paul, he was the exact opposite, wasn't he? Remember what we said about him? He wanted nothing to do with Jesus and his followers. But that same Holy Spirit that Eliza prayed would be her teacher also, also taught, taught Paul. The Holy Spirit, Spirit is that powerful. powerful. It can soften the hardest of hearts. It opens closed eyes and ears to the truth of Jesus Christ. We saw this literally happen to Paul in Acts 9. Ananias was sent by God to see Paul, who was still known as Saul at the time. And laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately... Something like scales fell from his eyes, and, and he, he regained, regained his, his sight. sight. And, and after that, what did he do? Well, we read in Acts 9.20, He immediately proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He, he is, is the, the Son, Son of God. God. We can know Jesus by relying on his Holy Spirit. Let's see what else Eliza says about knowing Jesus. More about Jesus in his word, holding communion with my Lord, hearing his voice in every line, making each faithful saying mine. It is clear by this verse that quiet time with the Lord was important to Eliza. Reading God's word. Praying to him. And then being silent to hear his response. And responding with worship. That's what this verse is all about. It's describing our own personal devotion time. And again, we look to Paul. After his conversion, and after he was proclaiming Jesus as the Son of God, we read in Galatians that he went to Arabia for three years. And in Galatians, he wrote that he didn't receive the gospel from any man. He wasn't taught it. It was Jesus who revealed it to him. This time that Paul spent with Jesus in Arabia, it's like what Eliza writes about, holding, holding communion, communion with, with the, the Lord. Lord. This time between us and Jesus, sitting silent, reading his word, praying, worshiping. worshiping. That's when Jesus reveals himself to us. This is how we know, we know him. him. Once we have a relationship with Jesus and we spend time in his word, praying, going to church, and learning about him, we can then truly live for him. We can then be the light of Jesus in our dark world. We can be 
his hands and feet. Listen to Eliza's next verse. More about Jesus would I know, more of his grace to others show, more of his saving fullness see, more of his love who died for me. Now, we've heard those words in the refrain already, right. but that second line really stands out. More, More of his grace, grace to, to others show. When we know Jesus, we need to show others grace. The grace we have received from Jesus, we need to give to others. The mercy we have received from Jesus, we need to give to others. The forgiveness we have received from Jesus, we need to give to others. We have already talked about Paul's past this morning. He was vengeful and violent. He persecuted and killed the Christians with whom he disagreed. After his con conversion, Paul fully understood that Jesus had given his life as a sacrificial offering for our sins, for Paul's sins, for our sins. And that despite what Paul had done in the past, he was no longer condemned. Having been saved by grace, for by grace you have been saved by faith, he now lived by grace. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. It's no wonder then that Paul wrote so much about God's grace and goodness. He was a living and profound example of God's grace in action. We all have experienced God's grace too. And so we are to extend that grace to, to others. others. So how can, how can we, we give, give grace? grace? Probably the first on your list and the first on our list, forgive. After reminding the church in Ephesus about the grace they received, Paul added, Be, be kind, kind and, and compassionate, compassionate to one another, another forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, I think it might be important to note that Paul, in this scripture passage, he is speaking to the, the church. The Ephesian church in the middle of a metropolis in Asia Minor, it started out so well. In fact, in the beginning, they called it Christ's church. But eventually, divisions appeared to infiltrate the church. Paul uses the first three chapters of Ephesians to give the church a few doctrinal reminders. But for this chapter, he chooses to go the practical route. He says, do not speak falsehoods. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Be kind. Be compassionate. And forgive each other. We must forgive each other to show the world who Jesus is. To show the world his amazing love and, and his amazing grace. We must forgive. So how, how else, else do, do we, we give, give grace to, to others? others? After we forgive, we encourage. We extend encouragement. In Ephesians 4, Paul gives more practical instructions for the church at Ephesus, and he reminds them to encourage each other. In verse 29, he says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 
Paul is instructing them to be encouraging with gracious words. And the opposite of gracious words are unwholesome words. The term can be translated abusive, corrupt. It literally means rotten or worthless. Worthless words inflict pain. Gracious words bring healing. Worthless words are abusive. Gracious words are gentle. Worthless words tear down. Gracious words build up. We show grace when, when we, we forgive, forgive and, and encourage others. others. The third way that we show grace is by helping others. Paul again has a lot to say on the subject, especially when talking to the early church. In Philippians chapter 2, he wrote, Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And in Galatians, he writes, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We show grace when we lend a helping hand. We show grace when we are a friend who listens. We show grace when we show up for someone in need. We can do all these things. We can forgive, encourage, and help. But without the gospel, we really aren't doing God's work. So the final way to show grace is by extending to others the hope of the gospel. We see this in Paul's letters. He was so overwhelmed by the grace of Jesus Christ, he was compelled to share that good news with others. From 1 Corinthians, Paul said, For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. One of the ways we can extend God's grace to others is simply by telling them what Jesus has done. And then how they can grow to know him personally. There is no greater reward than sharing the gospel with people who desperately need God's grace. So let's look at our four ways of, of giving grace to others. Forgive, Give, encourage, encourage, help, and, and share the gospel story. So what is the gospel story? What is the good news that everyone needs to hear? Well, we can just start with John 3.16. For, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus Christ, God's son, came to earth to suffer and die for us, for the forgiveness of sins. And because he lived, died, and was resurrected, and now reigns on high, we are promised eternal life with, with him. him. Paul claimed this promise for his own. Mm -hmm that he would be like Christ in his sufferings and in his resurrection. So back to our hymnal, back to our hymn writer. Eliza Hewitt. She also knew that Jesus was on the throne in glory and one day he will return and we will join with all the resurrected for, for eternity. More about Jesus on his throne, riches and glory all his own. More of his kingdom's sure increase, more of his coming prince of peace. Eliza seemed to look fondly on the time when she would be with Jesus, as did Paul. We quoted the scripture verse earlier from an earlier passage in Philippians where Paul wrote, 
to live is Christ. But the second half of that scripture is, to die is gain. He thought dying and being able to be with Jesus in, in his, his kingdom, kingdom would be his gain. Do we think that about Jesus? Actually, the question is, do, do we, we know, know Jesus? Jesus? If you do not know Jesus personally as your Savior, we invite you to follow Christ. It is as simple as admitting that you are a sinner and that you need a Savior, and then asking him to be the Lord of your life. Even though you do not know him, he, he knows, knows you. you, and he loves you, and he wants to be your Savior. If you already know Jesus' saving grace, and, and you, you already are following him, then are you doing what you can to know him more? Are you spending time in his word, praying? Are you worshiping, giving grace? Are you spreading the gospel, building his kingdom? You have to consider everything as lost compared to knowing Christ. All the things you care most deeply for, like knowing which team won the most World Series? The Yankees. Sorry, sorry. Or which presidents are on Mount Rushmore? Washington, Washington Jefferson, Jefferson, Lincoln, Lincoln Teddy Lincoln. Roosevelt. Or how many hosts there have been on Jeopardy? As well, of this week. As of just a couple days ago, four. All of this knowledge, although interesting, pales in comparison to the, the surpassing, surpassing greatness, greatness of, of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Christ. There are many wonderful things in this life, but, but knowing Christ, Christ is, the is the greatest thing for all of us. Nothing can compare with knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. May we be like Paul. May we be like Eliza. And, and may, may we pray, more of Jesus, more of, of Jesus, more of his love who died for me. Let's stand and sing together more about Jesus. We've heard it. We've read about it. Let's sing it together. And may this be our prayer, more about Jesus.